It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend Craig Barnardell. Craig, thanks for coming out and sharing your story. Absolutely, I'm excited. No, I'm excited for you, man. This is uh, you have you have an amazing, amazing story, and it starts in Cabrini Green for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I am a Chicago native, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised. The first place that I remember being uh, in terms of a home is that Cabrini Green area. My great-grandmother lived in Atrium Village right over the tracks. It's still there, actually, in Old Town. Yeah. Uh, but that was, like, the first place that I remember as a child, like, recognizing, oh, that's home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wherever we're coming from, I remember that's where we were going. And now for those who aren't from Chicago originally that are watching or listening to this, um, it's not there anymore. No. Right? So... It wasn't exactly uh, the Ritz-Carlton, right? No, no. <laughs> so looking at you, you wouldn't know that, that you come from those uh, upbringing that people always associate, you know, like, oh, if you're mm-hmm. kind of in those situations, tell, t- how'd you get from you know, that area to where you're at today that, I mean, and everything kind of in between. I know there's a lot. Yeah. But, but share a little bit about that. So Cabrini Green is an infamous housing project that was created by the city of Chicago to uh, offer uh, a form of social services to its minority community or or, uh, the underserved community. Uh, It started off in, as I believe, uh, a, a concept to give to those that were in need. Uh, and unfortunately it turned into, um, something that was really off from the intention. Um, my experience as a child was just having a place to live. And I think what I recognize from those that I remember or still am in contact with that are from that community um, was that there was a, a lack of um, there was like a lack of, of of feeling connected to where that was. There was like a lack of feeling connection to home or um, pride or ownership or uh, um, a co- like a commitment. You know, like if you own your own home or if you are you know, prideful of your space, you take care of it. There's certain things that you do that, that, that expresses that pride. I don't ever remember feeling that. I don't ever remember seeing that. And I have never really heard that from those that I know still that came from that area. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, that's where things started. Uh, fortunately, my mom was uh, a beneficiary of uh, multiple social services that were available at the time, whether it was Medicaid, Medicare, um, SSI, and um, Section 8 housing. So Section 8 housing, for those that are not aware of it, is a program that um, brings you know young families out of poverty into a, another community where there are more benefits to 
give you know either the young parents and the kids an opportunity to succeed uh that took the form for us of displays so right about fourth grade uh we moved from chicago proper the city uh to displays illinois where i went from literally what you would envision as like the inner city ghetto of mm-hmm. chicago to the suburbs of Chicago. And now a lot of people that, you know, have opinion, everyone has an opinion out there. Yeah. You know, and they say, well, a lot of things, things are handouts and whatever, and nothing really comes of it. And mm-hmm. that wasn't the case for you at all. I mean, that's literally what changed your life. Yeah. It literally changed my life. I was, uh, just the way I tumbled when I was a kid and, uh, was connected to that experience through my great grandmother who knew Jesse White personally. Um, I was flipping off of everything, had a lot of energy and my great grandmother was like, all right, let's get him into something. Yeah. Yeah. And so that created, um, an opportunity for me to hone that skill. Now, I don't know if it was so much of a skill, um, yet it was more, I think of a talent. Uh, and that talent was, um, I think fostered through Jesse White. Mm -hmm. Now, once I got to the Burbs uh, and was in a place where that type of talent could be, you know, connected to skill and technique, uh, that experience changed my life. Um, getting connected with a completely different community, uh, a totally different way of being, a totally different way of life, um, seeing, hearing, um, experiencing people communicate, engage, talk, care, eat, play just differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was something that I only recognized from television. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a shock to the system. In a lot of ways, good. Some ways, um, traumatic. But um, overall, it. It, it literally shifted me into a different, I think, path. Do you feel like that's where, you, you know, when you, you first got there, I mean, obviously it's a, there's a cultural shock, right? But yeah. Did you feel more of belonging there? You talked about not having a sense of pride to where you were before. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was that like? No, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel any sense of belonging when I, when I moved. Um, I, I didn't really have an understanding of self, embarrassment or hate or shame uh until i moved to the burbs oh wow oh yeah i mean i i remember because we moved in fourth grade i was in fourth grade and there was one other black kid in the Mm. school his name was david uh and he had grew up there i guess he'd been there since kindergarten and so everybody knew him and they were cool with him but i came from uh from the city and so I, I talk differently I look differently and the thing is is like when you get moved from the city to the suburbs it's like yes the environment changes but my life didn't change yeah, I didn't sure. all of a sudden have better clothes I didn't have um, a better dialect I didn't have you know I was on free lunches and it was really clear that I got free lunches because they came in this like brown bag with this red thing on it like a scarlet letter oh it was very clear you know that i was like not like them sure um so the kids tease me the teachers tease me 
Yeah, it was pretty bad. And, you know, racism um, and um, just separation yeah. and being clear that those that recognize that separation wanting to keep it there uh, is noticed by kids big time. I, I remember one of the first things that I remember that I, I, I recognized that was so different about me was the way I spoke, mm. you know, things that I would say, like I would say, you know, why don't you ax her instead of ask? And right, they were right, like, right. well, if I ax her, she'd be dead, you know, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. um, uh, one of my teach, one of the kids would like tease me and she, she said something, she had like this little song about me. She's like, you're rude, crude and socially unacceptable or something like that. Literally in fourth or fifth grade. Good God. And they would like sing it. And I remember one of the teachers would like sing it and laugh uh, because, and I was rude. I was crude. I didn't behave. I was like any other human being that felt like they were behind enemy lines. I was just fighting everything. And and it was, and, 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 I mean, I know you mentioned to me a little bit about your relationship uh, at home, too, right? Yeah. That you didn't feel accepted there either. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they, as a young kid, when you're growing up uh, and certain aspects of your personality is starting to come to light, yeah, yeah. that maybe doesn't actually play well in either your religious faith or in your community. And for me, it was uh, being a young, effeminate, gay, black boy, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, that was not uh, accepted. And I didn't even understand what was wrong. I just knew that something was wrong. Hmm. And I knew that randomly I would get punished. It's kind of like you have a dog, you know what I mean? And as you raise that dog, you like yell at it and you scold it. And you can tell the dog's like, whoa, what I do? You know what I mean? Sure. And it takes a while for the dog to understand, oh, that, I, I can't do that. Oh, right, 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 okay. Right. But I don't think the dog really gets it. I just think that the dog's like, well, I can't do it. Right, and if right. I do it, I get in trouble. Right. That's what it felt like. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. just like, I didn't understand because no one sat down and talked to me. It was just yelling and hitting, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was just come out randomly when I'm playing or when I'm walking or when I'm talking or when I'm eating or when I'm just being. Just, yeah, yeah. I would just get smacked beside the head and get called names, and I was like, "What the? F- okay, yeah, and whatever we, I just did, I guess I can't do it." No, I mean that's, that's it's, it's awful. I mean it's awful to hear it, but to to see you now and to know what you've been through, what changed? Where you know you found so much success in, in the latter part of your life, right? You, how, what did you? I mean, we know what you what you had to overcome, but how did you overcome that? What what had to change mentally for you, and at what point in order to be on the path that led you mm-hmm. to where you're at today? I would say right uh, there, there is a singular point, I think, in my life that I remember there was a shift and, and that shift happened right about my sophomore, junior year of wow. high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting um, connected to my talents. Uh, I was a gymnast. Mm. I wrestled. I dove. I was an athlete. Wow. And at that point, I was pretty good at playing the role of, you know, all right, I'm a masculine black male. Like, I was good at it. You oh, know so you were basically, like, like, you had to learn that. Yeah, like, yeah. You had yeah. to not be. Yeah, I, I just, I played, I, I was, I, I learned how to behave. Gotcha. I learned how to behave. Uh, and fortunately, uh, I also was talented in other things. 
Um, I did the variety show. And right around my junior, senior year, the people that I grew up with uh, in elementary school that I maintained friendships with Mm -hmm. all of a sudden became like the like really cool kids of the school. Mm -hmm. And because I was really close to them, it wasn't like an artificial, inauthentic relationship. You grew up with them. Yeah, I grew up with them. All of a sudden, I was cool too. Mm. And there was a shift right then. Uh, And I remember sitting in gymnastics practice and this kid had, was talking about, you know, going to visit his brother in college and, uh, and he was saying how, yeah, I'm going there and da, 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 da. And I remember sitting there thinking this guy copies off of my homework. So if you can go to college, then maybe I can. Wow. That I literally remember sitting on the floor in gymnastics practice, hearing him talk about how much fun he had and how cool it was. I think he went to Iowa State University for that weekend or something somewhere. And he was telling the story and I was just listening to it. He's like, yeah, I'm totally going there. My brother goes there. And I'm like, wait a minute. If you can go, I can go. Yeah, yeah. And that was the moment. And that was the moment I realized I was going to college. But it was on the same like time frame of like, Okay, I'm a cool kid. I'm 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 an athlete. I'm really good at this. I'm you know I can go to college. Like it just that's yeah, yeah. when things really started to shift, uh, and I started to pull away from my family. I started to pull away from like old neighborhood friends. I started mm-hmm. my behavior really started to change. I started to kind of like morph into this like suburban you know blackish type kid sure, sure. that related to kids who grew up with money yeah my cousins and my uncles and aunts were like who do you think you are wow you know there was just a definite shift i remember that did you feel like i mean you talked about having to play this role do you feel like people then didn't know who you really were because of it like you had to hide being gay in that in that time i didn't know who i was because of it and that was part of part of reason part of one of the reasons why i was so good in what I did in kind of like the entertainment space. So like I would do the V shows, the variety shows. Mm -hmm. I was in all the plays, the musical every year. I was in chorus. Uh, I didn't know who I was. So I was just really good at, okay, well today you are dot, dot, dot. Okay. So I was really good at being who I was supposed to be at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, even till this day, uh, I'm still trying to get really connected to who I really am and not who I'm supposed to be playing to be. And what does that look like in terms of, I mean, how do you do that? How does one go about even figuring that out? Uh, for me, uh, through really overwhelming emotional experiences that like, that, that like, get you to your knees um experiences that make you feel a a certain level of emotion that you almost can't even live with um it it just it literally it, it is an it is an evolving process and experience like it it's not like you wake up and you're like oh okay i got it you know what I'm saying? But uh, for me, it started happening when 
things in my life started to break down so much that being just just being in a room by myself was torture. Yeah. Uh, that's when uh, there was an opening for me to even start looking. And then once I started looking, and fortunately, I'm married to an amazing human being who is constantly, he's never happy with being where he is. He's always looking to grow. He's always looking to be better. He's always looking to evolve, um, getting reconnected to a spiritual community, uh, starting the practice of meditation, praying, um, changing my career, selling my business, just literally like disrupting my life yeah uh in every way i possibly could that's awesome uh then i started to like hear and receive like oh okay this is actually what i like this is actually what i don't like and, and now what someone else is telling you right to like or to do like or, or to do or to be right it's interesting that you asked that question and only the one piece that i want to add to that as young you know gay men and or women uh, in this world, we are brought up to not be connected to who we really are. We're brought up to disconnect from that. We're brought up to to be dishonest to not only ourselves, but to the world. We're, yep. We are brought up to, I've always said to people, like, you're brought up to be liars. Like, you're brought up to lie on a level that is deeper than just the words that you say because like i could tell you a a white lie or a lie i could be like oh yeah i'm i'm a millionaire and i'm not mm -hmm, a millionaire mm -hmm. but that doesn't really matter right like the real lie is like a much deeper lie it's like you're lying to yourself and so i think part of the reason why i didn't understand who i was i didn't recognize who i was realize who i was is because i wasn't allowed to I, because anytime that person showed up, it was like fiercely thrown back into the abyss. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's like, okay, I get to finally figure out who that is. Yeah. So now, I mean, you had a lot of success. I mean, going to school, you talked about national championships down in Louisville. And yeah. You know, get to that point. Um, do, do you feel like that, that was on some level still you, though? I mean, it seems like you had passion for those things. Yeah, I think I... I gravitated to things that I enjoyed and that I received positive reinforcements mm -hmm. uh, from. I was really, really lucky to get connected to a coach that knew how to guide me into uh, a path that would get me to like the top of that sport. And, and, and what was the sport? Uh, I was a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. uh, I did gymnastics, power tumbling, trampoline. Uh, I did a lot of other sports. I was football, basketball, wrestling, diving. I did all of it. But at the collegiate level. But at the collegiate level, that's where I excelled yeah. in cheerleading and uh, and power tumbling. And, and you trampoline. won. And you said you I won two national titles with the University of Louisville. Wow. Um, met some of the most amazing people some of the most talented people in the world, uh, worked on some of the most incredible coaches. Uh, it just, I remember every day I would go to, to our gym and to practice every single day I would be awed by someone's talent. 
every day you would walk in and you'd be like, God damn, did you just see that? Every day. Uh, and it, it just, it is, it is a unique experience that unless you go through it, unless you experience it, you have no idea what it's like. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was amazing. That was great. Um, one of the most impactful times of my life. And that actually put me in a place to parlay the next step in my you know, life and career, which was a really big part of my life, which was being a business owner and yeah, a coach. Yeah. And you, uh, you pursued the same thing basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I started off being a coach, uh, then turned into a business owner, then turned into a successful business owner yeah. and traveled. I've traveled around the world. I've spoke at conferences. I've I'd, by the time by the time I was forty, I had started and sold probably five five businesses. Which, by the way, if you're only listening and you're not watching and you're here forty, you have no you'd have no idea this guy is forty. I mean, he looks like he's twenty. I'm actually forty three. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. Twenty. You look like you're twenty five. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so so uh, what what changed for you that that you wanted to get out? I mean, I know you talked about being uncomfortable and putting mm. yourselves in those uncomfortable situations. You talked about selling your business. Yeah. Um, you did it for quite a quite a while. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah, I did. So um, one of my businesses ended very tragically. I um, I was really on a roll for a few years. I had a really successful location in Wakanda, uh, 36,000 square feet. We had Jeez. about 1,000 kids coming through a week. We had <laughs> gymnastics, power tumbling, cheerleading, trampoline, uh, dance, ballet, preschool gymnastics, a deli, uh, chiropractor, trainers, <laughs> homework room. I mean, this place was insane. Wow. It was literally like a super sports complex. And yeah, I yeah. built it from the ground up. Wow. That was my baby. That was the flagship. Uh, then I started another one. I opened another one in Lockport, which was 20, 25,000 square feet. And that had cheerleading, tumbling, fitness, deli. Uh, What's the story behind the deli? Uh, well, you have customers and kids that come in for practice every day yeah. and they usually when the first thing that I noticed is they were always coming in with bags from the local little mm-hmm. restaurants mm-hmm. in the area mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like okay so I'm a business owner anytime you're a business owner you're always looking for ways to earn more money sure and I too was going to all of these little restaurants, spending all of my money. Yeah, yeah. you know, because when you are in the gym business, it's like being in the restaurant business. You're married to it. Yeah. You're there from eight a.m. till ten p.m. Monday through Friday, all day Saturdays, and if you have a competitive team, Sunday, because that's when you have your practices. And so I was like, you know what? I need to figure out a way to create an opportunity to give healthy food not only to my customers and my kids but to myself yeah so i started a deli That's smart That's and smart. the return or the profit margin on you know what you make in a deli could be upwards of 60 70 percent yeah. if you do it right sure and so uh, it was a model in my business that um i made sure i uh, included in every location that i opened makes sense That's yeah smart. i mean it was it it was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a captive audience, and when you are looking at how much you uh, get f- per customer in terms of dollars and cents, mm-hmm. obviously they're going to pay their tuition. You know, they're going to pay for their uniforms. So then, what else can you increase them to spend? You know, 
Can you get them to buy, you know, more apparel? Can you get them to, you know, join more clinics? Sure. You know, food. It's just they're spending it somewhere. Might as well. They're going to spend you. it somewhere. Might as well. With yeah. us. But so, but, so um, you're talking about Lockport. Then you open. Yeah, your- open up the Lockport location. That location's still there. Gym Time Illinois, um, doing really well. They actually won a world championship, maybe last year. Nice I think looks. it was. Uh, and that was really successful. I started a camp company. Uh, what I did was I hired some of my old teammates and friends hmm. and I flew from them in from Louisville wow. and from all over the country and oh, the yeah. world actually. And I'd fly them in in the summers and we would host the camp for not only my kids, but other high school kids and rec school kids and junior high kids. And that grew so much to where we were doing, my gosh, we were doing almost $900,000 of business in 60 days. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, the first, my first big summer, I remember, it was so crazy that I couldn't keep up with what money was coming in. Like, I just, I literally could not keep up with depositing checks and inputting checks. and. Wow. Was it, it overwhelming? It, it was. It, it was way overwhelming. It was. Com- we were completely irresponsible. There was yeah. no budget. There was no like. We had no how much idea how much money we were spending and how much money we were pulling in. Yeah, yeah. Until the end of the year when I filed my taxes and my account was like, "Whoa, what is this camp thing?" He was like, "You pulled in nine hundred thousand dollars in sixty days," and yeah. I was like, "I did? <laughs> Holy shit! I did. I had no idea." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um. But yeah, I started that and I started an apparel company uh, and just was like figuring out ways to make sure that I could source everything that my gyms needed instead of me paying other uh, organizations and other companies. I was like, well, I'll just start it myself. Uh, And so that was doing well. And so I decided to go to Georgia. Uh, There was a friend of mine that owned a gym down there and he offered me an opportunity to buy it. And I was at that point... Uh, I, I, I was naively indestructible. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could do anything, man. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest mistake of my life. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it literally, and I'd already started to get burned out at that point. I bet. I'm um, I, I, and because I wasn't coaching anymore. I was running the business. Um, I was constantly traveling, constantly on the move. I just didn't. I didn't have a connection to why I started it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that now, retrospectively, that's the reason I was, I went to Georgia because I was like desperately searching for the passion again. Mm-hmm. And so I was living a really unhealthy life. I was deep in addictive behavior. Like I was an addict, hardcore. Wow. Just anything that I could get my hands on and become addicted to, whether it was work, working out, drinking, drugs, alcohol, anything, anything. Just, I was doing anything to like get connected to like feeling something again yeah, yeah. because I was just a machine. Yeah, I was you're, working nonstop. You're numb. Um, that ended pretty tragically. Um, closed that business down within the first year. Uh, received an offer to sell um, two years prior to that. And um, turned them down, received the offer again the next year, turned them down. Then when this happened, I was like, all right, I'm done. So Were you the one that made the call or, or did you have that offer come in uh, again? No, it, it, I, I made the call because I had, I had sold my camp company prior to um, gotcha. 
this opportunity. And so, uh, you know, I made the call and put myself in a position to be able to um, move on from from that part of my life. It was it was a really traumatic, emotional experience. I, bet, I, bet. Um, I, th- I know the way I went about it. Some understand, some don't. I've relationships that I'd had for decades that I don't have anymore. Of why you left pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't, um, I wasn't acting with integrity at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I mean, you were, it looks like you were in self-destruct mode. Right? I was 100% in self-destruct mode. Yeah. Um, but you know, fortunately it taught me a lot of great lessons that gave me the tools that I have now yeah. to be able to rebuild me, just a human being first. And, th- and that's what I wanted to ask you too, is all those experiences. I mean, I, I think anyone who, you know, has success in their life knows that it comes at a price. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you find true success and that you're comfortable with who you are, it's usually after those traumatic experiences. Yeah. You know, what is it about all those things and the contrast of the life that you led and had um, the person you were or were figuring out with who you are today that you no longer need those things in your life that mm. were so destructive that you can look at yourself in the mirror today and say, I'm proud of, of the man I am. Cause I mean, I'm mm. proud to, to be your friend and, and to know you and some of the things that, that we've talked about and shared. I don't, I don't, I know they wouldn't have come had you not gone through these mm-hmm. you know, traumatic experiences. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'm still in that, journey of being proud of who I see. I'm still not there yet. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like embarrassed as I, I I used to be. Um, but I'm not a proud, I'm not proud yet. Uh, I'm, you think you'll ever will be? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know so. Okay. Uh, you, you don't start on this journey unless you know, you'll eventually get there. God willing, hopefully, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I think, I think being connected to my spirituality and being connected to just who I who I am on a metaphysic on a metaphysical level, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, um, being connected to a passion that is internal and not external, um, that is what's I think driving me away from those things that I used to use those yeah. external. Yeah. Um, uh, to fill a void, right? Motivators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Pac-Man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're just going to gobble up all the little pellets, but then when all those little pellets are gone, or you're too tired to gobble them, <laughs> or you're just like I don't want them anymore, it's like you got to figure out what to to do to like feed yourself. For sure. Um, I mean, I could literally sit here for hours and talk about the the ways in which i use things that i don't need anymore for sure um but really ultimately it it, it it's really more at this point about um making sure that i stay connected internally because i still have weak moments i mean i know you're on a journey and you know anything that that we can do or as a community uh, to be there for you but also to learn from you 
and a lot of uh, the things that you've gone through i know it's wisdom that needs to be imparted so mm. you know i'm excited to, to to continue that journey with you and anything we can do to help and you know obviously for those people that are watching and listening if, if you want to connect with craig and uh, learn more about his story please do so directly or you can you know, click on the link below but um, Craig, I look forward to, to continuing this story with you. And Thanks, man. Appreciate I, it. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you sharing your story. I know that. Hundred percent. No, it's not an easy one, but I know that the road ahead looks looks very uh, promising. Yeah, and honestly, this is like a page in the chapter of the book. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I'm saying. Amen. There's a lot more to come. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you again, brother. Absolutely, man. Anytime.